Grab your ripped black tank top, pierce septum, and drug habit. It's a punk rock new year here at the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, guys. Welcome to the show that's knocking back champagne and knocking out serial killers coming this New Year's. I am your host, Max Steele, and as always, I'm joined by the physical manifestation of the year 2023. It's Michael Flaherty, everybody. You know what? That's going to mean so much to... So many different things to so many people. Like, so many people are going to be like, that's the worst thing you could possibly say. Like, and then others people are going to be like, oh, that's a really good compliment. So I, I don't know. I don't know whether, I don't know what the vibe should be, but you're the physical manifestation of 2022. How about that? Boom. And Take sometimes you, you and will. sometimes you can be the physical manifestation of 2020. Oh, really? You can be the physical manifestation of December 7th, 1939. Or 1940, whichever one it was. Whichever one Pearl Harbor happened. (laughs) Okay, why Pearl Harbor? Fuck it, sure, why not? Anyways, guys, we're not talking about Pearl Harbor, though We, I feel like we will cover considering it's a Michael Bay movie. We are talking about the 1980 American slasher film New Year's Evil. It's about Mm -hmm. a radio personality, Diane Sullivan, a.k.a. Blaze hosting a countdown to the new year in LA when someone calls in and starts murdering unsuspecting victims, saying that Blaze will be his final victim. Sounds fun, right? No, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie just kind of crosses the edge of being so bad it's good and just kind of falls in that like bad category. It's so mid and it doesn't reach for being campy. It just kind of falls in the category of just being like, yep, that's another slasher. But but Mike, what do you think about this? This is <laughs> – I was going to make a joke and be like, this is the Pearl Harbor of bad 1980s New Year's horror movies. But I don't think there are enough <laughs> – all, all of those movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All, all of the movie. No, it, this movie's not good. It's – I mean, but again, if you looked at the title of this – and thought, mm, New Year's Evil, this is going to be a doozy. Like, no, no, what are you on? This movie is bad, but it follow, falls into the chasm of not good enough to be, uh, like, actually worthwhile or not so bad it's good territory. But the problem with it is, is it feels like a so close yet so far sort of scenario because it's just right there on the line between so bad it's good and just bad because there are some pieces of this that are utterly hysterical and then there are other pieces which make me want to throw my head against a wall but yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of that weird middle ground that some of these fall into occasionally yeah so this movie was released a mere 2 years after halloween so I guess it was made to like capitalize on like the holiday themed horror thing going on at the time. I, I guess <laughs> they, they I love that. I love that they had after Black Christmas and Halloween and Friday the 13th, everyone kind of just went, oh, shit, we're we're a ho- horrors for the holidays, isn't it? <laughs> and you're like, you're like, all right, it's, it's a little weird for us to pigeonhole ourselves, but sure. And as a result of that, you get so many of these weird off-brand horror holiday movies. And they, my favorite thing is all of them follow such a weirdly similar beat. Like you can sit there and pluck pieces of this and pair it with pieces of don't open till Christmas, which is kind of funny in terms mm-hmm. of like the ridiculous garbage that they just bring together. Yeah. And when you think about like the holiday themed horror movies, like immediately after Halloween and not just that, but like also like with days like prom night, uh, new year's evil, my bloody Valentine, <laughs> April fool's day, Friday, the 13th, Black I'm, Christmas, all, all the I fucking needed, holiday movies. We got to find an Arbor day horror movie it's or is that just the happening where it's the trees are killing everybody i i mean look i'd make a movie about a killer tree i don't i don't know what it, i don't know what you're smoking I, that sounds fucking awesome m night Shyamalan already took a swing at it with with old marky mark but he's too busy harming vietnamese men for it Ooh. to really go anywhere well and i also what i also found interesting was that they just like it feels like I'm sure as you noticed watching this movie, it really felt like they just kind of went out 
and just shot this over like th- like a, a handful of days because nothing really feels like grand about like I saw that it took them like 18 days to film just wanted I to knock that. it out so they could get it out was, before the end of the year I believe that 100% that is so so believable I'm gonna be honest because a lot of these movies when you hear it's like oh it was a crash course it was filmed in like x amount of days and you're like whoa that's crazy like uh Night of the Living Dead's a really famous one because they filmed it in like, I don't know, like five days or three days or some craziness like that. And you're like, whoa, that's nuts because it feels like such a fleshed out movie. You don't even think about that. This, you can sit there and look at this movie and go, oh, there's no way they thought this through. There's, it wasn't, this wasn't the, the don't open till Christmas problem where they just dragged it out so long. You're like, oh, this is where they chopped it up. This is the opposite where you're like, we could have spent a bit more time and like done something with this, but okay. And I do find it funny that we keep going back to don't open till Christmas, which I feel like we're going to be doing a lot throughout this podcast. Oh yeah. Oh because, yeah. Because one, we're co- we covered them just so closely, but two, mm-hmm. they're all, they're similar, but also very different, you know, similar, you know, we got the holiday movie thing going on. They were made back in the eighties, have a killer whose motivation is kind of like, eh, and it just kind of feels like slapdash together. But where they differ is like with uh, New Year's Evil, it's just a bit boring. Like whereas don't whereas uh, don't open till Christmas at least tried to like lean into like you know the campiness a bit. This movie it just tries to play it just so straight and so serious, and it doesn't really. There's not any fun with this movie. Am, exactly. am I wrong in saying that? No, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's it it plays the serious card, which puts it into that so bad it's good territory. Uh, it, it that pushes it closer because for anyone who's watched those so bad they're good horror movies or just movies in general, you know that when the director was a hundred percent unironic with their creation and it turned out bad, oh my god, it makes it that much sweeter. Mm-hmm. So it kind of helps it push it in that direction but again the movie is so mid and boring that that's not enough to push it into the worthwhile territory that Mm -hmm. don't open till christmas kind of is in and lastly as you can tell i didn't really have a whole lot of behind the scenes stuff but i'll I'll touch on some as we go through our positives and our negatives uh the Mm -hmm. last thing i will say is this uh new year's evil was also produced by uh canon group producers and cousins I'm probably going to butcher these names, so I apologize. Yoram Globus and Menahem Golan, who are cousins, uh, which if you if you recognize that name, like it might, it might ring a bell for some people as the producers behind just a multitude of Death Wish sequels from the 80s and 90s. Oh, Cobra yeah. with Sylvester Stallone oh, over the top, yeah. over the top with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Oh, my God. American Ninja, which that features the uh, the guy that played Marlowe from Radioactive Dreams. Oh. I- <laughs> and its sequels. And most confusingly, I think, Texas Chainsaw 2. They produced that. Wait. Wait, as in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? Texas Chainsaw the Massacre 2. One? The silly 80s one with Bill with Chop Top in it. Oh my damn, they have some really wild freaking discography or filmography. Like the throwing in of Cobra and bringing in Barlow from Never from No Retreat, No Surrender, or whatever. And then also having freaking Chop Top in the repertoire. Like, good lord, they've got everything. What happened with this? Because it seemed like they had so many silly 80s stuff, and then they just dropped the ball hard with this. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that when we're talking about our positives and negatives. But Mike, for right now, let's... I have a question for you. Oh, lay it on me. If New Year's Evil was a drink, what would it be and why? I feel like it's almost... almost goes without saying, but it's a New Year's Eve movie. So crack open your champagne. Wait. This is an 80s movie. And it's punk rock, man. It doesn't play by the normal rules that society puts in front of it. And it's 80s, so it's cheesy and really dumb about it. 
But so so for that, because it's cool to be cool and different and not do a normal New Year's Eve, uh, crack open a kind of champagne, the champagne of beers, a Miller High Life. Pour in some Miller High Life into your flute class because this movie is not good. And it's also not in the so bad it's good territory. It's kind of like this beer that you have and you go, hmm, it's here. It's all right. It's some people's guilty pleasure, and I respect that, but yeah, come on. Next, I want to touch on these characters and these themes. We have our killer. Not going to... Actually, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the killer a little more, but I'm just going to say this. The killer is so hilariously bad. The killer mm-hmm. is bad. He's not good. When the killer is on screen... It is like watching, it's, I like to think of it as it's like watching your dad try and flirt with people and then also watching your dad try and pretend to be intimidating. And, but it's not the dad that you know, it's the, it's not the dad you knew, it's the dad that you currently know. It's like watching your dad get mad at road rage. It's kind of silly in a way. You're kind of like, all right. All right, Greg, let's let's pull it back a little bit. But <laughs> he is Fresca. Because I think of dads, I think of really lame soft drinks. So take your Fresca, but he's the killer. And there's going to be gore with him, right? No, there's no gore. So just dye, it, dye the Fresca red and pour it in. Because there's no gore, no kills. It is pretty, pretty much a letdown. Next we have... All of his, all of, we have the, the key parts, which is the victims that the killer runs around, drives around and tries to kill and successfully kills. They are just some bland ass women. They, they're, what are their traits that they, that they're females and one of them's annoying. So grab a truly crack it open, pour it in, because oh there is God. nothing to it other than the fact that they are, in fact, women. So finally, we have the main lady, Blaze. She's some mom who's a punk rock hotline host. <laughs> and again, it's really cheesy and weird, and it's not intense. So for that, find like some bubblegum vodka. Like a Burnett's probably has a bubblegum vodka. And pour in just a little bit of that. Finally, I want you all to know that this movie is boring. It is mid. It drags so much. So I want you to just water it down until you can still taste all the flavors, but... It's kind of just underwhelming. You're not gagging and you're not enjoying it. You're kind of just going, oh, all right. That's me. That's my cocktail. I just love how with both of our cocktails, like mine starts off with, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Champagne. Like it it just, it just makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's got to be champagne in some capacity. The only reason I went with Miller High Life is because I'm like, there's this movie leans into its whole rock and roll thing so fucking hard. I'm like, what is some grade A concert beer? And I'm like, Miller High Life. <laughs> well, I I went down the champagne route, so we'll we'll see if our things overlap a little bit. Uh you kind of you kind of took an element by element approach to it, which I respect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I did not do that this time oh. because I think that this movie is just so mid and so like just bad. I just mm-hmm. went just simple with it. So let me tell you what, what you're going to do. Okay, Mike, I fuck with the drink. Here we go. All right. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Champagne for me. Go get some cheap champagne, but here's what you got to do. Okay. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to pop the champagne and then you're just going to leave it out. Like, don't refrigerate it. Don't do anything. Just like put it on your kitchen table. Just leave it out till that evening uh, long enough for the fizz of the champagne to be just gone, to disappear like a flat, like a flat, like just a flat soda. Pour that into your champagne flute half full again because we're optimists. Uh, That's the new year. Next, 
You're also going to do this when you wake up. Go grab a LaCroix water, specifically a black raspberry flavor. You're going to open it, and you're going to take a red Jolly Rancher, and this is going to represent the blood and all the, you know, the viscera and violence in this movie. Take your red Jolly Rancher and drop it into your LaCroix for about five minutes. Then remove the Jolly Rancher. That's really about how violent and bloody that this movie is. Like, mm-hmm. it it wants to try, but it just fails. Mm-hmm. And you're also going to leave out the LaCroix water, you know, for the entire day. You're going to top off your champagne flute with your LaCroix Jolly Rancher adjacent thing. That's the evil. The streak is almost done, okay? But we need one more step. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to invite some of your friends over. like five like friends slash people and you're gonna play the soundtrack of this movie and then sadly mosh to the music like not like you're at a metal concert but just kind of like like someone like tell like your mom tells you like oh mosh pretend and you're like okay fine you like pretends to mosh with your friends like lightly pushing people or like accidentally like brushing by them and uh yeah that's my cocktail <laughs> I'm so glad you touched on the moshing. I'm so glad you touched on the moshing. I was crying about that. We're going to, oh Lord, we're going to touch on the moshing. I do like the simplicity of your drink. I do like that you went for the vibe. I feel like we both switched because I, because you usually go for an element by element approach, like Mm -hmm. themes and characters and all that. And I usually do the vibes, but I really, really dig it. It is just kind of this flat thing where it's just a whole hodgepodge of what could have been. But I dig it. I'm here for it. Well, dude, Mike, let's just dive headfirst into talking about New Year's Evil. So again, everybody, this is our brand new format. We're going to go through talking about the positives, the negatives, then touch on our overall thoughts on the movie, and then we're going to be getting right into spoilers. So, Mike... We're going to start with the positives here, and we talked about it a little bit before the podcast, but I want to touch on it right now because we joke on this show whenever we have nothing to say, we just go to the soundtrack. But for me, as I was listening to the soundtrack of this movie, I was like, hey, you know, it's got a little bit of charm to it. It's very 80s. A lot of the music kind of felt like it was really trying to get on MTV, which, you know, is both a good and a bad thing because this movie throws to music sequences a lot and i don't know why but for some reason i heard like the main theme of this movie new year's evil song before and i guess i just didn't know it came from this movie i i i i do understand where you're coming from it's taking a lot out of me as someone who's an absolute nightmare about music to sit there and be like yeah i like this soundtrack because i'm gonna be honest listeners i don't like the soundtrack but i do admit that there is a sort of campy silliness to it that makes you laugh same way as like when when you're sitting there and you're in, you're like hanging out with like one of your like extended family members or like, like your, like your dad or your mom's brother. And they sit there and, and they turn on some music and, and it's something from the eighties. And you're just sitting there going like, gee, Jesus Christ. You're like, Oh my God. All right. Sh- sure, man. Let's listen to some Molly hatchet. That's a real banger. That's kind this of this movie, soundtrack. This movie is kind of like uh, in Never Back Down when uh, whatever the bad guy's name was came out to like that that rap rock remix of Soldier Boy. Where I'm oh just my like, yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> where I hear oh. that. Where I hear that. Where like I hear this soundtrack and I'm just like, oh fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's but the, for me it's like the the '80s earworms that I'm like, yeah, I'm coming back to. It's not like in Radioactive Dreams where it's guilty pleasures where I'm like freaking fist pumping. I'm like, yeah, we're here for it. It's just <laughs> this kind of eh, like they found a local band who played like that sort of. Very easy to listen to, like hard rock, that glam rock. And we're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, we need you because it's there's just some there's music about like ninjas and like blonde women. <laughs> and then it's about New Year's Eve, but they say evil like for the movie. It's just 
There's just a lot of moments that I stop and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, dude. Apparently, the song New Year's Evil has actually appeared in multiple like horror movies. Best songs of playlist has been like, you know, kind of like the calling card, like the one thing to come from this movie. Like I said, I think I remember hearing this New Year's Evil song (laughs) before I even watched the movie. I don't know why, but like I listened to it and I was like, I recognize this from fucking somewhere that's you know what (sighs) credit where credit's due it's it happened and it went somewhere with it again again you're not gonna get it out of me me saying that it's good because it's not gonna happen but i will admit that there is a sort of weird sort of laughing along charm to the soundtrack Mm -hmm. uh but on that note i do want to get over to another pro And my pros, I'm going to be honest with you listeners, they're all just things that I found really, really, really funny about the movie. Because there are a couple of them. And that's about the only things that I found good about this movie. But anyways, on the note, there is, whenever sound is playing on screen, like music, like hard rock music, not like just like orchestra stuff, like like rock music, there is always someone moshing. Whenever, whenever you hear an electric guitar, someone's moshing. Doesn't matter if it's a hotline, if it's a psych ward, if it's the middle of the street, everyone's getting down and getting pushy. But my favorite thing is they didn't, they didn't discriminate when, when, when they said, when they said, we want you to mosh whenever you hear an electric guitar. Because sometimes there's slow music when an electric guitar is playing. Because it's not like, it's like uh, Aerosmith, I don't want to miss a thing. But people are still trying to push each other like it's Cannibal Corpse. Like they're like, yeah, man, get the fuck out of the way. (laughs) Can you like, this is. Let me put it to you like this. If a mosh pit, if like a mosh pit is like a whirlpool of some kind, like in the ocean, what they were doing at, th- at this point in the movie was just kind of like gentle waves crashing up against the beach on a summer it's, day. It's just like it's it's the it's the same energy as you hear Bobby Womack and you're like, I'm here to fucking thrash in the pit, man. You're like, it's it just feels a little weird. Again, this movie, the music is a gimmick. 100%. And if you fuck with the gimmick, I think you're going to like I think you're going to find some enjoyment in it. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. like it. I do like that you paused. I like that you, you sat there and just went, I can't say you're going to like it. I'm going to say you're going to find it endearing. Dude, because there, there were some shit things in this movie. But some good yeah. things that I will give credit to okay. is there are some shots, and I'll touch on in the spoiler section, near the end where I was like, that's pretty cool. Look, that's a pretty cool idea. I like mm-hmm. that. And I also have to applaud the movie for trying something different at the time by showing us the killer's face right at the beginning. Like, why is it that with all of these horror movies, it's always just some dude in a mask? Whatever happened to just like just your creepy neighbor, Dennis? Like, why can't we just like be like, hey, here, here he is. Bad, bad guy, uh, Daryl, whatever. Yeah, exactly. No, I, for me, it's a very double-edged sword with revealing your killer straight off. Because the, having the killer be masked is an easy plot device, whodunit sort of story. Now, granted, it's so played out that you're kind of like rolling your eyes at a certain point. Going like, I get it. It's who's the bad guy, blah, 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 blah. But what I'll say is, while it is really novel that they're just upfront about who the killer is, and I really think that's cool that they were, I do think that they did not make the killer intimidating in any freaking capacity. Because the killer looks like a... The, it, the killer looks... He looks like those 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 divorced dads you see at the supermarket who are just like, I just need to buy beanie weenie ingredients because I because Cheryl left and took all the cookbooks with her. So it's it, 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 everything that he does. You're not like, whoa, 
this is sidelining me. You're kind of like, hmm. All right, Dennis, what are you doing at the bar? Like, it's just, it's just, it, it takes all of the weight out of it. But nonetheless, it is a very cool idea that the movie chose to chose to mm-hmm. try out. Yeah, and apart from that, the only really other positives I have is, I mean, the opening scene was kind of okay, where the 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 first kill of the movie, I was like, that's kind of okay. It uses mm-hmm. a little bit of tension. Good job. And again, if you like the 80s aesthetic, and I think you'll like, I think you'll get something from this. It's got a certain vibe with it where... If you if someone told me like hey I like this movie and you're of like a certain like era or vintage I'm like you know I I don't I don't agree with you but I but I can understand how this movie has its fans. Yeah. 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 We can see the vision. We can see the vision. It's just we feel like there's a better one out there for that vision. <laughs> but I I'm absolutely in that camp as well. Like there is some there is some charm to it in its visuals aspect and all of that that I cannot deny because I am someone who's very much a big fan of those 80s exploitation horror movie aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But again, there are better ones that execute on it. Dude, My- like, what, do we call, what do we call this movie? Because like like with Don't Open Till Christmas, we called it Santa Exploitation. What do we call new like what type of exploitation is New Year's Evil? Just it's holiday exploitation. I feel like that, that's probably the boring answer. It's we could if we get when we get into the spoiler section, we could really go wild on this the exploitation sections. But it's there's it is an exploitation movie of some kind. I just don't know what the hell it's past holidays. They but moving well, do, past. Oh no 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 no! We're I I got I got one left in the chamber. You got one gonna, left, man. Fire away! Absolutely. I okay. <laughs> Hit me with your best shot. No. Sorry. I better stop right there, or else we're gonna get a copyright strike. But go exactly. Ahead, Pat Pat Benatar is coming for us. Uh okay. I'm gonna say this: the guy who plays Blaze, our leading lady's son, is a is a legend and a gem of an actor because all of his freaking screen time is this person just having a series of moments because it's, it's never it's never an attractive moment where you're like where he's sitting there just like like getting ready to go on a date or something or he's like shy at a bar it is always this kid in the throes of something and it's and all of his actions are never sane stable well put together actions that follow any logical process it is just it is just what will happen is it'll just be this tense moment or quotes the movie is pushing it as a tense moment and then it'll just hard cut to him just just cutting flowers and like like rubbing stuff over his face he's having a moment mike (laughs) it's just it's he is having listen man just just please let him just like i don't know listen to my chemical romance or just talk to a talk in a mirror man let let him do him i'm like i'm like dude the 1990s are gonna be so you man or no the 2000s because it's gonna be my chem freaking ocean avenue simple plan like it's this dude is just in the throes every time he's on screen he's never has a moment do you know what movie that guy was in uh the guy that plays derek no what was he in killer clowns from outer space fucking course he was (laughs) oh my god i forgot about that movie that and willie's wonderland i just saw that well we're already gonna cover willie's wonderland at some point we'll be seeing you again uh grant kramer (laughs) grant uh, stay tuned because we're gonna see you again well mike man i don't know if you have any more positives 
I'm ready to jump just um, right into the negatives of let's, this movie. Let's rip this fucking movie apart. So, first off, this just isn't a good movie. But second <laughs> off, its concept alone, the concept of a killer killing, like going through it, like every time in America when it's like the New Year's, like he's going to go kill somebody. It doesn't really allow you to like grow and feel with the characters. It's like, yeah. Blaze is our main character that we follow throughout the movie, but we'll just randomly cut to these like other short films with evil stalking and, and eventually killing people. And, you know, during this time, we aren't with Blaze, our lead character, so we're not getting to identify with her and want to see her succeed. We just got to go to a sanitarium and go get shots over there. And the, and the characterization moments that we do have with Blaze are just boring recaps <laughs> of the same shit that we it's, saw. Sorry, this movie's making me so heated. I'm choking on my own spit. It's I. I'll take it from here, <laughs> bud. I. This movie sucks with Blaze. They did Blaze so freaking dirty in this movie because they had every opportunity in the damn book to turn Blaze into something. The entire story is built around so many things. Blaze, like it, it, within the first ten minutes, you're given so many opportunities for this. To like to like see how like this is fleshed out, like Blaze in her relationship with her son, Blaze in her relationship with this new guy who that who you later learn is like her manager in some capacity. It's and that's not a spoiler. They they tell you that like twenty minutes in. Um, moving on, and all we do is get this very sort of half-assed sort of like she's a star, and that's it. That's that's all we get for Blaze, and then all they do is go. Hey, you remember that thing that happened five minutes ago? It's bad, and it's going to happen to you. And she's like, but the show must go on. And that's it. Like, our main character, I could not tell you how much of a shit I did not give. Well, like the actress, uh, Roz Kelly... She's not a bad actress. She was actually, well, I don't know if this is, a, this is a good thing or a bad thing, but she would play a Carol Pinky uh, Tuscadero from Happy Days, the Fonz's girlfriend. And like the, the material that this movie gives her, it just isn't interesting. She's like supposed to be like some radio DJ or like punk rock personality, but she just doesn't have any charisma with what's being given to her. Yeah, it's, she again, it's no fault of her own. She has... Some chops. Now, granted, she she's not like a Juilliard grad. At least I hope she's not. But she she's just she's fine. She's doing her job, and she can do her job, which is more to say than about most of this freaking cast. But still, mm. like the writing is so half-assed and so kind of just uh, fuck it. We don't have confidence in your abilities for some freaking reason. So let's go over here. This is more important. And you're like, no, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> Well, dude, man, we talked about it uh, at the beginning of the podcast. Let's talk about the kills, man. Let's get oh. right into talk. Like, like I said earlier, oh. with Don't Open Till Christmas, there was at least a charm with how bad the kills were. Here, it's just the kills are just boring. <laughs> it's not really, really bloody are. enough to really be considered like an, a proper exploitation film. It feels very like like PG-13. Yeah. And, and again, this is a... And granted, I know that Max and I have both painted ourselves as being like this, like splatter horror, super gore nuts. And granted, we love ourselves a little bit of gore, but we're all. But it's also like you don't you you can have like enough. You, it's okay to not have gore, and it's okay to have a shit ton of gore. It's just this movie just put. Not only did it put no weight into its kills, it. It's Foley Arts was asleep when this thing was happening because there's no sense of like contact when it's happening. And also on top of that, the actual end shots, which is when you can pull out all of the stops with the makeup, because we all know when it's like the, oh my God, they discovered the body. And then it's like the person's like whole chest has been ripped open or some craziness like that. And you can, you can go nuts. It is, I kid you not, the wimpiest of gash wounds on the person's chest. And I, as the mm -hmm. viewer, was like, you are shitting me. This is an exploitation movie. And you don't have the nuts 
to actually let the makeup person do their job. Well, it felt like they they weren't really. I don't know. It felt like they really wanted to like seem, you know, dark and menacing, like just by like the tone and the like what they provided us like at the beginning. But then it like again, it showed us the violence. Like that first kill, I was like, okay, no, we're not. We don't want to. We don't want to give away too much. I'm like, got it. I understand what you're doing. But then the subsequent kills afterwards, I just. I just left feeling very unsatisfied because they're dragging mm-hmm. out these moments for so long. Again, I'm not expecting anything like like Eli Roth or Damian Leone levels of splatter. No, just give me just give me a good solid kill. Give me a fucking mm-hmm. uh, arrow through the throat like in Friday the 13th or yeah. uh, pick a fucking kill from a Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't just give me something other than just like, hey. It's a bloody hand. And that's, don't get me wrong, seeing like a hand stabbing someone, it worked fucking great in Psycho, but it's because it was set up and it was shocking at the time. Whereas with this movie, you already kind of showed your hand of like, hey, here's what we're going to try and do. And then when you show like a, a knife just or a hand just like moving and stabbing someone, I'm like, okay, one, I don't give a shit about the person you're stabbing. I literally just met them like 10, 15 minutes ago. So, I mean, I I feel nothing. I, I don't care That's, about this movie didn't do a good job of setting up this victim. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is another issue. And granted, this is an ongoing like problem with like these with with a lot, not only like 80s, 80s horror movies and 70s, but also like modern like shout out horror movies. Like I think like The Devil Inside is a really good example where it's what they'll do is they won't give a shit about some of their victims, some of the victims. What they'll do is they'll just, Mm -hmm. just roll out someone and just go, it's a dumb blonde. And you're like, "Mm, I know what happens to them. And then they just get stabbed and you're like, Oh, for God's sakes. It's the reason why so many of these movies like Texas Chainsaw, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. The reason the reason they work is because they have a core group of people that get freaking picked off one by one. That is what makes it intense is because you're sitting there with your little core group of people and it gets whittled down and that adds a natural sense of tension. When you're not going to do that, yeah. you really need to spend time building the story out for the victim at the very least. Yeah, and even like the victims of evil, it's just we have a nurse and she acts like a nurse in a porno, some chick from a bar. She's just obnoxious and the movie just wants to focus on her issues and beliefs for an uncomfortably long amount of time. And then some random chick at like a drive-in, again, like we get just bad, just porno levels of acting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, it's... While while there is some forgivability to these like '80s movies because they're freaking exploitation movies, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get the top brass at the time. You're gonna have to work. You're gonna have to work with what you have. But even then, you can work around crappy B movie people doing crappy B movie things. It's mm-hmm. you can make it weighty despite that. Like there's a like mm-hmm. like like for example in the in the um in the drive-in when they're when they're having the freaking that kill they could have done so much with this character but instead all they did was sit there and hang on the fact that previously she had her breasts out so she's got to stay in picture and cry and sit there and go like hey please don't kill me man that's super not cool it's just leave it leave it at that. It's there was nothing to the character. <laughs> they just went, they just went, and boobs, no. you you get in the car. You 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 got your chest out. It's all good. And dude, the killer of the killer in this movie, evil, as they call him, he has all of the slasher presence of like your coworker, like who's an accountant that you asked to help out with your short film because you're like five other actors dropped the part and he was really passionate about wanting to help you out. And you're like, okay, I guess you can come be my killer in this movie. And even all of the parts that he plays also does this dude just fucks 
a lot. <laughs> like, I mean, this man is just clapping cheeks, <laughs> like, is. left and right in this movie. The fact, okay, well, that's another thing. It's, the, the, the movie hinges a lot of its kills on the fact that the the killer evil in this movie, the, the guy's name is literally freaking evil. Um, it depends on the fact that this dude can pull any freaking woman and the problem is is this guy has all the charisma of that 50 year old guy at the bar that everyone is like what the hell are you doing here man and and it's and it's not he does he has zero zero charisma even by 80 standards like you could at least do the hey what's going on what's your name like blah 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 that would be at least passable in a very base sense. This guy literally just walks up, hovers over a woman, and is like, hello, where are you from? And he's just like, and these women are just like, kind of need pants anyways. Like, it's it's just nuts, the logic with this. <laughs> well, how are we supposed to believe that this dude is a legend? Yeah, and this just goes like, just goes on. Just like, it happens, then we move on. It happens, then we move on. Like, the... <sighs> Evil going just back to back, just getting these other, again, random short films. It allows for this movie's pacing to just be all over the place. Again, like I said about the structure, it just feels like multiple short films all rolled into a movie that doesn't do a good job of balancing them in any way, shape, and form. And the problem is, apart from, you know, the killer hunting his victims, which again, isn't executed in an entertaining way. Blaze is just fucking standing around waiting for the next hour because evil's like calling in being like, I'm going to kill you. One person will die every hour on the hour. And she's just like, oh, God, oh no, what, what am I going to do? I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. He just said this. And I'm like, I, I know. I know. I, I literally just saw what you're talking about. You don't have to re you don't have to explain it. Give me something new. Talk to the fucking detective who also isn't fucking interesting in this movie or your manager who just, I don't know, just see everyone, every, even the fucking liquor store attendant in this movie acts like he's got a log just shoved up his ass. <laughs> I love the liquor store attendant. <laughs> Listeners. Okay. For one, one kill. What? Or there, there's, there, there's one scene with the liquor store attendant and the liquor store attendant is like happy new year. And I don't know what they snuck into this dude's drink, but this dude's eyes are the size of dinner plates and he's white knuckling the counter, just staring at this person. He's like, happy new year. And she's like, thanks. And then she just leaves. It's, it's just so many of those scenes where they, they have all the characters that don't do anything. They all just are uninteresting and not present. And then they have the character who's supposed to be this sort of punk rock leading lady, doesn't take no shit, does her own damn thing persona, and have her be a damsel in distress, which is nuts to me. Like, you could have had Blaze have some... Have a, have some capability of some kind like she could at least like sock someone in the face or like have a spine with how she does things but all she does is listen to what people say which granted that's not that's not the worst thing in the world cops kind of know what they're supposed to do but you never see her take any initiative ever which is again brings back to the dunks on the writing for her character it's like you made a spineless main character <laughs> well mike man do you have any other negatives that you want to mention before we give our overall opinions no no i think i'm ready for really i think I'm, i think i'm ready to give it all the opinions <laughs> so in my in my eyes guys if you like bad slasher movies i think this is going to be right up your alley but but be careful because this movie borders on being just just boring. The weird moments that make you kind of laugh and be like, huh, damn, that's crazy, are few and far between. The kills don't really bring anything. The music and the bad acting, they might be like entertainingly bad enough. I would probably put this movie as like a number three. You could even do a double feature with uh, Don't Open Till Christmas and this and have a fun time. 
Yeah. I'll say that the problem I have with this movie from an overall opinion standpoint is every praise that this movie has, there is another movie that has that same set of praises and is better to a certain degree. The only way I can truthfully recommend that someone watch a movie like this is if they are doing a movie marathon, they're running on fumes towards movie three slash four, and they need something because they're all smashed and they need some pretty lights and something occasionally weird to occur. And that move, this movie fits the bill in that case. But mm-hmm. again, for every praise I have for this movie, there's another movie that has these praises and more like a son dad combo who are just off the chain. Silly. Like, yeah, there's so many of those, these horror movies that have um that have like two side characters who are just like 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 not so crazy and then like on top of that like better kills but yeah that's kind of my piece yeah movie three movie three for you mike yeah number three easy all right so guys we're gonna be getting into our spoiler section go check out the movie and then come back and let's get into talking about some spoilers the killer being Blaze's husband, Richard. It It's a terrible reveal. It is so it, bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's like, who else was it going to be if they wanted the killer to have some type of relation to Blaze? Because, like, they mentioned Richard, like, twice. Like, just enough for you to be like, it's him, officer. Officer, it's that one. Yeah, exactly. It's, see, see. That's kind of my problem. That's my key problem with it is that the movie mentioned Richard twice. And you're like and you're like okay, the the dad's a deadbeat or whatever and you're like okay, sure, fine. Remember that. But the the second he steps on screen and you look at him, you're like, "Oh, that's the dad. That's that's the dad." You're like, "That's the mm-hmm. dad of the that's the dad of the son. It's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because yeah, exactly like you said, you you can't paint him in literally any other light. Like there's no logical other steps you can make. Like with with having the killer be revealed, and this is why I gave it such a huge knock, or or gave it that sort of yes but treatment, is because if you're gonna give the killer away like that. You have to have other opportunities for to throw people off their off your off your trail, so to speak. You have to give them other other theories to run with. Like, oh, maybe he's related to this. Like, oh, you know what you know what you did to your last producer. Boom, there you go. You got a you got another lead. It's a half-assed one, but you got another lead. It's the fact that they only mentioned him twice. And then gave nothing else to the viewer. You're kind of like you're kind of left going like, oh yeah, it's his dad. Okay, and it's just it's just a massive fucking letdown. And his motivations just also just suck. (laughs) They're so lame. They're so lame. I I got a I got a bar. I want to say off of off of this guy. You could actually go into the the whole nitty gritty, but I'll say this guy's bar. In his whole monologue on why he is why he is a killer, why he is taking the lives, this man says, girls are mean to me. You <laughs> are same. screwing up when your killer sounds like an eight-year-old who got dumped uh, in the playground. It's the same shit that, like, you, your fucking six- or seven-year-old nephew says when, you know, a girl was mean to him at recess. Like, no. There you- that can't be your motivation. That can't be your motivation for a fucking killer, some cold-blooded, badass motherfucker. And... It, I'm 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 at a loss, Mike. I, I know, I'm at a I'll, loss. <laughs> I'm 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 right there with you. The f- and the movie tries. It feels almost like the movie or the writers, at least, realized that they fumbled the bag mm-hmm. by having him say, "But girls are mean to me." So what they did was afterwards, and of course, if, if this is if you haven't if you're in the spoiler section, you're not supposed to be. <laughs> All right, but. <laughs> 
He says he he also goes into this spiel on how Blaze screwed him over. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in the plot leading up to this point that Blaze has conned him out of money. The the knowledge we have about Richard is that he's not he he is not in the location. He is coked out of his mind, or probably at least, and his relationship with his nephew is better than the better or, or his son is better than the relationship between the son and the mom. That is the three things you get. That is the three things you get. So throwing in this like you stole my money thing is bonkers crazy. Like I don't I don't know what to say about it. I'm like, I'm like, how the fuck could you try and pick up and go like no 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 no? But like there's real reason to it too. You're like, you're like, no. No, that's not the case. Yeah, it's like they're looping in, like, like Richard's looping in, or evil, sorry, is looping in the treatment of his son, you know, her treatment and, you know, other women's treatment of him is a slight against his character. They're, they're not allowing him to be a man, so what's, what's evil going to do? He's going to tie his wife to the bottom of an elevator, which is going to, like, bring her to the top floor and then fucking drop it, which... How the fuck, what job did this man have where he knew how to fucking hotwire an elevator system? Makes no sense, but I'm like, okay, that's a little silly. Fuck it, why not? Yeah. Why not, movie? You you can't fix it now. The ability, it's, exactly, the ability, when the movie sits there and, like, has him hotwire the elevator so that it goes up and the moment it gets to a certain point he's like haha now time to rewire this and stick a screwdriver and jimmy it just right i'm like what what does this dude do for a living is he an electrician because that would make sense then didn't you be like oh okay or is, is like is he a technician it's the movie gives you no context and again it's by this point you've already checked out mentally you're like oh it's too little too late you're kind of like, oh, whatever. But it really is annoying to sit there and just watch this dude just crack open just a freaking elevator and work it like it's a like it's like it's a car or something like that. Dude, well, um, let's talk about let's talk about the ending now, where we oh, see God. Richard getting to the top of this building after you know somehow he cops end up saving his wife, and Richard's like, okay. I see where I fucked up and just yeets himself off the top of a building and we don't even see his body freaking hit the ground. It's, it's just, and he's following his fault. Uh, oh, oh, he, oh, I feel like we missed something here. It's exactly. Just his body laying there. Exactly. It's the thing. The, the big key issue with that is you could sit there and just load it up. And granted, this is me just really like, hyperbolizing but you could have literally taken a taken the dummy that you had because you obviously did when we saw that camera footage of a dummy slow-mo falling off a building loaded up with ketchup strawberry jelly and like i don't know freaking raw meat because ice sharks could do it and then just toss it like you it's you don't need to go like above and beyond the call of duty like you and if it you could just pan far away, but the fact that they just sat there and just tossed it and then cut there, cut back in, and there's no splatter at all. There's no, there's no, there's no aftermath either. It's just corpse on ground. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a thoroughly disappointing thing. But for me, that's not the heinous part. The heinous part is that the very before he yeets himself off the edge, the detective who is apparently a key key character now sits there, points a gun at him. And then Richard starts opining this poetic thing about life. And it's complicated Hamlet. It's I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck is this Shakespeare? I'm like, it's how, how, how are we doing this? Who, what are, what are we doing here? Like, this is garbage. Like, no, we can't have this character who bar for bar said the phrase, girls are mean to me. And then have him turn and then go, oh, alas, poor Yorick, for upon which we... And you're like, no, man, no. <laughs> like, and, then, stop. 
And then do Derek getting set up as being a killer in a fucking sequel that, that was never happened. That was, it was awesome. It's awesome. Derek is a fucking like he's a weird I, dude. I love like well, explain to me this. Please, for the love of God, explain to me why this man is just sitting in a holiday inn watching his mom dance on stage while he looks at roses wearing red pantyhose over his head and destroying each rose petal. Why? I I don't get it. Who thought that was a good idea? It's it's like – it's what is I what I want to know is what is this boy's relationship with his mother because it feels too close. It's I he kissed his mother on the mouth in the first scene. You remember that? Oh, I who I try try and forget. It's it's just it feels so. His motivations are so confusing to me because he shows up and he's like, "Mom, mom, I got like this part in this show. It's really cool, and I'm playing a key role, and I did it all by myself." And she goes. Uh, oh, okay, whatever. And then she just leaves. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. So it's like, oh, the mom neglects him and all that. Mm-hmm. This dude treats it as if the love of his life was screwing his, like, twin brother. Like, his evil twin. Like, he's just in the throes of it. He cries. He puts pantyhose over, who, uh, assuming it's his mother's pantyhose over his head it's because who the fuck else is wearing pantyhose in the holiday inn he's in it was so, a manager's pantyhose exactly. just putting over his head maybe see, i don't know you just see the you just see the detective walk in and he goes are you destroying my pantyhose and he pulls up his suit leg and it's just bright red it's and then what's worse is that he's sitting there as he's like crying and like with pantyhose on his head as he's watching his mom like on stage there's another scene where it's the mom is getting briefed on what kill Richard has made. And then the camera slides over and in the corner for some motherfucking reason is Derek with a, with pantyhose. He looks like the invisible in man. The like he looks like the man, the, the invisible man. If he just wrapped himself in pantyhose instead of that, like uh, white gauze tape. Yeah. And then he, on top of that, he's wearing a visor or something over his eyes, like he's Jordy LaForge from Star Trek. It's it's nuts. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? It's so weird. So at the very end, him putting on the mask, I'm like, at a certain point, I'm like, hell yeah, man. Let your freak flag fly. Well, when Derek is sitting there in the fuck in his uh, in the hotel room and he's like, you know, crying and tearing apart rose petals, I'm like, dude, you know what you look? You look like the type of guy that like posts memes on Facebook with black and white pictures of lions and chains and talking about how you don't need to double cross me. I'm loyal to a fault. I'm like, dude, <laughs> calm, calm the fuck down, bro. It's, like, it's he's so weird. He's so weird. It's like. He he's he's the kind of per Derek's the kind of person to sit there and post a tweet just being like I loved her so much and then people are like in the in the replies are like what the fuck are you talking about and he's like I don't want to talk about it and you're like you're posting it on Twitter bro you you obviously got something to say and his motivations at the end where he drives away in the ambulance wearing the mask it ultimately just comes down to mommy issues it's that, like mommy that, issues that, like that's it. It's not it's not interesting. It's not even his his weirdness is not even compelling. You're kind of Norman, like you're kind of like, oh okay. Norman Bates had mommy issues, and that was at least like okay. In you were like intrigued by it. Here it's just like okay, go go away, go away, dude. Get, get 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 off my screen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't sit there and you're not like you're not like, whoa, this is a really interesting psychological break that we're experiencing. And like seeing this person like fall and the heinousness that they're willing to like go to based off of their mental you're just like you're just like, ew. You're like, uh, this isn't interesting. It's just gross. Go away. Well, dude, I think one of the best ways to sum up this movie is one of the shots I saw where it's Richard stabbing some motorcycle tough guy <laughs> while he while Richard is dressed as a priest and there's like not a, even a little bit of blood like anywhere to be found. <laughs> I saw that image and I'm like, that is certainly like one of the ways to encapsulate this movie. 
along with playing some like new wave music i was about to say if they really had some 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 cheesy 80s glam rock music as he was stabbing this man with no blood coming out and it's not like he stabbed him in the arm and you're like oof owie like and then you could pretend that this dude just has the lowest of blood pressure it's i mean we believed it for don't open till christmas just straight up but the but they stab they choose to stab him in the upper like torso where notoriously lots of blood is so it's you're kind of like the entire time you're watching it going like what on fucking earth are we talking about yeah well dude man uh was there any other spoilers you wanted to mention uh before we get out of here i think i covered just about everything covered all my bases yeah if you want guys if if you made it this far thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the mess up at midnight podcast Go follow us, uh, Instagram, X, YouTube. You guys know the deal. Stay up to date with what we got going on. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Let's, let's bring in the new year one of the ways by watching this movie. Woo! Yeah, yeah. If you, I'm not going to tell you when, but if you watch, if you start watching it at a certain time, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna see, you're, you're gonna end on midnight on when Derek puts on the pantyhose and cries while watching his mother dance on a guy. <laughs> I mean, it's either that or you listen to All Star for or watch the Shrek movie for how yeah, long, whatever, exactly. however many years in a row. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, do you have anything else you want to say? Or are you ready to get on out of here? Let's get out of here. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see y'all next week. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>